We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Along with us will be TJ Inman. Uh, we wrap up our final uh, preseason preview, conference preview with the Big Ten East. Please excuse me today. I am under the weather, battling a cold. So if I sound like I'm underwater or uh, an airline pilot, uh, it's because of that. But first, before we start, a word uh, from our friends, new friends, at my bookie. It's a new season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed changed where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000 and only cost $100 to enter. All you have to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and, your, and score your share of the huge cash prize. Uh, I would only uh, – so that's it. All right. Uh, please visit MyBookie online today. Uh, that's MyBookie. Don't forget to use the promo code Hoosier uh, when creating your account to claim the bonus. The uh, up to a hundred or uh, up to a $1,000 first bon- uh, deposit bonus when you use promo code Hoosier. Uh, all right, we're going to bring in TJ Inman uh, right now. TJ, how's it going on this Monday evening in Indianapolis? Doing great. Yeah, we are um, on our last preview here, last preview podcast, and it's game week. Uh, I am fired up to talk about the Big Ten East, but even more fired up that uh, IU football is officially right around the corner. Um, you know, for it to be on the eve of game week, if you will, is really exciting. Um, and, and on a quick side note, um, I would suggest everybody go and check out the uh, new Bicentennial uniforms that IU uh, screenshots of that came out today. Uh, I think they're really, really sharp. I have not seen that. Uh, where where do I find that, TJ? Uh, somebody posted on Peegs. Uh, I think it's the uniswag.com or something like that. They posted a link to it. Um, so I, I'm sure if you Google search Bicentennial uniforms for Indiana or something like that, you'll find them. Uh, really subtle candy stripe usage, uh, subtle outline of the state. Um, it's got Indiana's um, uh, kind of a old school logo, if you will, much more of the pitchfork look, 
um, on the helmet. Uh, the gloves look really nice. The subtle pin, uh, pinstripe on the pants, I think they're really, really sharp. A little bit of a different font type as well, so we'll be used on our regular uniforms. Um, I'm not 100% sure what game those are going to be worn for, but uh, I think they're tremendous. So props to whoever designed those and gave the okay green light on them. It's on uh, uniswag.com. Uh, they they look, you know, they look pretty good. Uh, they yeah. have that uh, that helmet, the helmet that Lee Wilbanks uh, previewed on Twitter, and some plain fonts. Uh, the pants are, I mean, it looks very much like the regular IU uniform. Uh, yeah, they're not This much year, the helmet's a little bit different. Good to see that. Let's uh, let's preview the Big Ten East. It should be an interesting yep. year in the Big Ten East. Uh, you still have the Big Four of Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State, uh, and then you have, of course, Indiana, uh, Maryland, <clears throat> and Rutgers. Let's start. Uh, let's start with the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, this is a, a program where a lot of media members are picking them to win the Big Ten East. Uh, to end their losing streak against Ohio State, uh, to end their, you know, their hiccups and big games under Jim Harbaugh. Uh, they returned Shea Patterson, who should uh, be better suited for the offense. They're going to run under Josh Gaddis. Um, some some uh, issues I see with them uh, is the running game. Uh, they don't have a proven running back uh, really all, <clears throat> excuse me, all that much. Chris Evans left the program. Kron Higdon graduated. Uh, True Wilson, a walk-on, uh, is their leading returning uh, rusher. Uh, and then you have two quarterbacks who who are returning after that. And you know Christian Turner is a, a redshirt freshman. He hasn't proven anything. Uh, and then Zach uh, Charbonnet is a uh, you know a, a top recruit who is in for spring. So uh, a lot to be left desired. I uh, maybe in, in the running game they do have an outstanding offensive line, uh, and if Tariq Black and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones can stay healthy, their wide receivers are very good as well. And then the defense uh, graduated a lot; they lose a lot. Uh, they lose their their top three tacklers from a year ago, plus a couple big defense alignment. Uh, it's going to be a young defense, and. Uh, you know, people I think are are putting a lot on the offense. Just it's going to be an offensive heavy team, so we'll see. It's going to be an interesting year for Michigan. Uh, they do get uh, Army early, and they do play Notre Dame at home in October, which is a rivalry that I think should be played every year. Uh, they do get Ohio State and Michigan State at home. Uh, they do go to Penn State, uh, and their crossover games are at Wisconsin, at Illinois. And um, and Iowa at home uh, for homecoming. So it, it's a very manageable schedule. Their open weeks are are week three, September fourteenth, and then November ninth. So it's a nice, you know, you got two games, an open week, uh, a slate of seven, an open week, and then the the final three of Michigan State at Indiana and Ohio State. So it's a pretty manageable schedule. I just, you know, it's time to. Time to put up or shut up if you're Michigan. Uh, you know, you made the necessary changes that everybody wanted you guys uh, wanted them to make. 
Uh, and now it's time to see if, if it's you get Ohio State at home. If it's not this year, uh, when are you going to beat them? So what's your take on Michigan, TJ? Well, I, you know, the biggest thing that stands out to me on offense is the strength of this offensive line. Um, two potential Americans and John Runyon and Ben Bredesen on that left side. Um, Cesar Ruiz is a potential a uh, high draft pick in the NFL. Uh, he's at center. So, I mean, the offensive line is really, really good. Credit to Jim Arbaugh for uh, turning that from a weakness, which it was when he inherited that program, turning it from a weakness into a real strength for them. Um, Shea Patterson, I, I think the hope is that the new offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, um, who everyone, you know, that you listen to in the industry unanimously loves this guy, um, he has never been the primary, excuse me, the primary offensive coordinator um, for anyone. So, you know, this is a high-pressure situation for him to come into. Um, I do anticipate an uptick in the offense. Uh, I don't think it's going to be some radically, you know, improved, all of a sudden they're going to be a top-10 attack. I don't see that happening uh, for the reasons you mentioned, you know, the running backs, there's some question marks there. Um, I, I don't – I think that Sean McKeon is a solid tight end. I don't think he's extraordinary uh, or a, a real difference maker for them. Um, of their receivers, I happen to think Nico Collins is their best wideout. Uh, I think he's really consistent, very underrated, really, really good player uh, that I could see ending up on an all-Big Ten team for sure. On defense, you know, they have a number of talented, versatile players that I think can be really good pass rushers. Um, the ones that stand out are going to be Quiddy Pay. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, and Josh Uche. Uh, those two, uh, really quick, really explosive. And Don Brown, their defensive coordinator, does a really nice job of making sure that those guys are in position to succeed uh, because they are not your – you know, every down run stopper type guys, uh, they are going to be more of your um, explosive defensive end pass rush specialists uh, that I think in a perfect world, IU would see Madison Norris develop into that type of player. Uh, and Michigan has, you know, a handful of those kinds of guys. Um, so that's, that's good for them. I do think that the interior of the defensive line uh, could be a bit suspect. I think that outside of Khalid Hudson, um, linebacker, you know, some question marks there. I think that the secondary, Josh Metalis and Lavert Hill, both really good. Um, and then I, I'm sure that they've got, you know, a, a host of guys, mainly Aubrey Thomas uh, and Daxton Hill. Um, Daxton Hill is, is one of the best uh, safeties coming in to uh, into college football this year. He's a five-star player um, that – I think will be used quite often in a lot of different ways for Michigan. They like him quite a bit. Um, I do think that the biggest question mark for them is going to be one, how much can the offense really change and can they go from a, a good offense, which they were to a elite offense? The answer for me on that is no, uh, I don't think that they will. I think it'll improve slightly. I don't think it'll be a major sea change there. Uh, and then the second is, in big games, can that defense stand up? Um, and, and 
you know, really make a difference because we saw at the end of last season, uh, you know, they, they fell apart. Indiana had some success against them. Ohio State just ran rough shot on them. And then Florida, say what you want, it was just a bowl game, but Florida did the same. They just embarrassed them, put up 41 in a game that was never competitive. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, can that defense in big games against top opponents, which is the expectation at Michigan, can they get it done? Um, I think we might be tipping our hand a little bit, but uh, Michigan appears to be the team that a lot of people are picking to win the Big Ten East. Um, I'm not going that direction. Yeah, I know that uh, you're not a big believer in Michigan, and it's you know that you've got to see it first. Their their history under yep. big games under Jim Harbaugh is concerning. Um, and it's not like Ohio State doesn't have five-star dudes all over the field. You know, it, it, they still have the, those guys. Ryan Day is a pretty good head coach. Excuse me. Um, uh, Ryan Day is a pretty good head coach, and they'll be fired up for that. Uh, let's move on. Speaking of, of uh, Ryan Day, let's move on to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, this is a yeah. team who I think is being undervalued. Uh, by by media, it's a program where Urban Meyer recruited very, very, very well. They got Justin Fields coming in, who was just named the starter, I think, in the last 24 hours at quarterback. Um, we'll see what Justin Fields could do. He really hasn't had that much t- uh, playing time experience uh, sitting behind Jake Fromm at, at Georgia and he's only played in, in certain situations and uh, really hasn't had a chance to show what he could do. Uh, so I think a lot hinges on that, and I think people were a little nervous that that battle went on as long as it did uh, with, with uh, I think it's Gunnar Hoke. Um, yeah, Gunnar yeah. Hoke. Um, but you bring back J.K. Dobbins, uh, who IU fans know pretty well, Ran all over IU uh, two years ago um, in his first game as a true freshman. K.J. Hill is a fantastic receiver, super fast. Um, it should bring a lot to the table there. Austin Mack and Benjamin Victor as well. Uh, they do have some holes to plug up on the offensive line. They should be able to do that with Jonah Jackson, a, uh, a transfer for Rutgers. He's Rutgers' best lineman. He's coming over. Uh, and then the defense that yeah, they have to shore up the defense. They got rid of Greg Schiano. Uh, they've simplified that defense, and they're going to make their athletes just play. Uh, so, but the linebackers were their biggest concern. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. Um, so it's you know it, it's there's still a lot of questions for Ohio State. I see why people are. Um, are kind of picking against them, uh, but it's still Ohio State. They still have all these five-star athletes uh, all over the field, and it's it's hard to pick against their history with with uh, with Michigan. You know, Michigan hasn't done it. They they went up there and got manhandled last year, 62-39 uh, uh, by Ohio State, and you know this is a game that just means the world right now. Uh, and it has always meant the world uh, to Ohio State. 
And I don't think Ohio State's going away as easily as everybody thinks they are. So their schedule's uh, pretty manageable as well. Their non-conference games, uh, they don't play a Power 5 non-conference game. Uh, Cincinnati's probably their most difficult game. And uh, it's not a Power 5 game, but AAC counts uh, as that fulfillment. A lot of these games are scheduled before um, before you know the Big East was dissolved. Uh, <clears throat> and then we'll see. They take trips to Nebraska, to Northwestern, uh, to Michigan. They get Wisconsin at home. Uh, it, it's their bye weeks are. You know, they have two bye weeks and within a four-week span. Sorry, open weeks. They have two open weeks and a four-week span, uh, which kind of, you know, sandwiched between Northwestern and Wisconsin, uh, two physical teams. So you have a chance to to get rested up, play Maryland at Rutgers, and then finish up with Penn State and Michigan. So it's – I think the schedule sets up pretty pretty uh, darn well for Ohio State that, you know, they play Indiana in week three. Uh, down in Bloomington, uh, and that'll be a nationally televised game on Fox uh, at noon, uh, and then a trip to Nebraska. You know, if that both teams could be undefeated heading into that game, that's going to be a big, big game, uh, big time atmosphere. I expect College Game Day to be out there, but other than that, you look at it, you go, okay, they they should be eleven and zero going into Michigan. I, I think that that's realistic for them. I know that that's probably certainly their goal. Uh, that put them squarely in the playoff discussion for sure. Uh, with their schedule, I, I would wonder a bit, um, you know, does a 12-1 and Ohio State, if they have a loss to, I don't know, um, at Nebraska, or a 12-1 and uh, with a loss at home to Penn State, I don't know. Um, what would that look like for the playoff? And I, I, you know, there's just not a lot there on their resume um, outside of the conference. But I think they'd probably be okay unless there was, uh, you know, some interesting things happening in the rest of the country. But I think that that would probably get it done uh, for them to get back to the playoff. Now, um, I, I do think and those road those road crossover games, TJ have have gotten them in the past with that blowout yeah. loss to Iowa and the the blowout loss to Purdue. So maybe it's not, yep. you know, it, it, maybe they get tripped up, but it, it might be more how you lose uh, right. than the actual loss itself. Yeah, yeah, maybe a you know the at Nebraska game. I I feel like that one is going to be so talked up. Uh, that I, I really feel like Ohio State, that's going to have their full attention. Um, they won't have any trouble um, being motivated to go in there and kind of send a message in that one. So maybe you're looking at more like an at Northwestern. Um, that's probably like a noon game in the middle of the season. Uh, you know, you're coming off a of bye week. Who knows? But uh, just looking at the roster, uh, I think their receivers could be incredibly good with Chris Olave, who uh, came on at the end of last season. K.J. Hill, you mentioned, he's going to go down. Uh, leading Ohio State's receivers, as far as the record books goes, in school history, uh, which is saying something. I think that would catch a lot of people by surprise, but he's been really good uh, for an extended period of time. 
And then they've had a guy uh, in camp that is drawing rave reviews, Garrett Wilson, who is a five-star player that uh, they think is going to be that next great Ohio State receiver. Um, I, you know, this is a program that does not have to rebuild. They they reload. They're certainly at that level. Uh, I do think the linebacker is going to continue to be a weak spot until it's proven otherwise. Um, I think the secondary definitely got a big boost as uh, Damon Arnett and Jordan Fuller both back for their senior years. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there are some question marks at corner. Jeffrey Okuda has not been amazing. Uh, that that could come back to bite them. But you're, you're nitpicking when you're talking about Ohio State. Um, the offensive line for me is the biggest one that I'm not sure if that's an elite offensive line. It's light on experience. Uh, getting Jackson in from Rutgers certainly helps them. The uh, guy that has played against the Big Ten and um, knows what's in store for him, so that definitely helps them. But I do think it's a little lighter experience. And then the biggest question is going to be, you know, Justin Fields, is he capable of, you know, leading an elite squad? Um, we don't know. You know, we have not seen it. It's a very inexperienced player in terms of um, – you know, starting and being the guy. I mean, he had Eric Fromm to ling on. Uh, I did it again. He had Fromm from Georgia, Jake Fromm, excuse me. Um, he had Jake Fromm from Georgia to lean on before. Uh, I think that there's a, a question mark about just how good is Justin Fields. We know highly recruited prospect. We know one of the best recruits coming into the country um, and a, you know, highly sought after transfer. But I think that there's some questions about uh, how much of the uh, the play of Dwayne Haskins can he replace? Because Haskins was flat out incredible last season, uh, and now they don't have that to go to. Um, I think Justin Fields will be good, but I think if anyone expecting him to be Dwayne Haskins uh, will end up disappointed. So they're going to have to find uh, some offense elsewhere. And if I'm them. You know, I lean on J.K. Dobbins more than I have in the past. I think he has been an underutilized tool uh, that I expect Ryan Day to to run the ball a little bit more uh, with this Buckeye team than we've seen before. Um, You know, run it a little bit more, maybe not be so much breakneck tempo. um, Run it and then stretch the field with those talented receivers on play action. Um, I do think Ohio State's going to win the East. They are my pick to win the East. And I think they beat Michigan yet again. Yeah, I have them winning the East as well. <clears throat> I just trust them a little bit more um, than Michigan right now. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be a big race in, in the Big Ten East. Moving to Michigan State. Uh, State now, this is an interesting team. Uh, if their yeah. offense is any type of decent, uh, they're going to be a player um, and maybe be a player for – a uh, college football uh, playoff spot. Um, they have an elite defense, an elite defense headlined by Raquan Williams uh, and Kenny Wilkes, as well as Joe Bocci, who seems like he's back for year number 10. Uh, yep. And then you have David Dow and uh, Josiah Scott in the secondary. This defense, they, I mean, Michigan State went seven and six last year. Their offense was awful and their defense carried them to seven wins. So 
the offense is going to um, depend on how Brian Lewerke plays. If he's healthy and plays well like he did a couple years ago, this this team is going to um, this team's going to put a scare into a lot of people. They they have to go to Michigan. They have to go to Ohio State. They have to go to Wisconsin, uh, and they have to go to Northwestern. They also get Arizona State at home, who knocked them off in the desert. It's a tough mm-hmm. schedule for Michigan State. Uh, but, you know, if Lewerke and they can find a running back with um, along with Connor Hayward and, and right now Anthony Williams, who's a, a freshman, uh, a true freshman, uh, looks to be the, like the, the, those top two guys. Uh, they have Jalen Naylor, Cody White, and and others. Matt Dotson's a capable tight end, and their offensive line is pretty good. If, if this offensive line uh, could gel and uh, this offense could play well, I mean, they don't have to do that much. They just can't be a complete train wreck like they were last year. This team... I, I would say is a dark horse to win the Big Ten East. That's fair. Yeah, that's that's certainly fair. I mean, the um, the offense was putrid last season, and what's interesting is that Mark Antonio elected, um, you know, not to make any changes personnel-wise to that offensive staff. He didn't bring anybody new in. Uh, he did shuffle job responsibilities, which, um, you know, the press release on that or the press conference on that afterwards was pretty kind of funny. Um, Antonio talked about how he was, you know, moving guys back to um, coaching the groups that they were best at and to coaching the positions they knew the best. And it's kind of like, well, I mean, if that's all it took, then why do you have guys at positions that they didn't know that well? I mean, either way, it's, it's either the second part is, true and you had guys in incorrect positions and are now fixing it which I guess is good but then you're wondering well why'd you have them there in the first place or you're just moving guys around as you're loyal which is good but you're just moving you know chairs around on the Titanic Um, so it's going to be interesting to see do those changes make a difference does Brian Wilwerke uh, is he healthy? Is he able to be confident again? You know, does that make a difference? For me, the biggest thing is can their offensive line generate any type of run game? Do they have any difference makers at running back? And then can their quarterback get the ball uh, to those receivers? As you said, the defense is, you know, one of the best in the country. Uh, and if they can just get some help, then uh, you know, they're going to be a very scary team. The thing that I think will hold them back is going to be I don't think the offense – I think it can be average, maybe, um, but I do not think it can be a good offense given the personnel that we've seen on the field. And then, like you said, that schedule, uh, it's a really tough one and um, a lot of tough road challenges. And uh, I, I, I don't see Michigan State uh, challenging for the Big Ten East because of that. However, uh, nobody wants to play this squad because you know it's going to be a really tough contest. Uh, and I think the over/under on them was seven and a half, which I'd be very tempted to to put the, some money on the over. Um, I do think that they do better this season than than a seven-win Michigan State team or a, even an eight-win Michigan State team. I could see them getting up to nine and three, um, 
you know, having a solid season, but unable to uh, replicate some of the magic we've seen from some of their other squads. But, you know, you can certainly squint and see a team that, uh, you know, could win that Big Ten East under the right circumstances. Um, I mean, you worry about a team that has to go to Ohio State and to Michigan, uh, plus having to play Wisconsin and Northwestern. Yeah. You, you worry about a team that has offensive frailties mustering enough to win at those places. But um, I, I think that they're going to be a better squad than they were a year ago, uh, unless Lewerke is just shot and there's there's no helping that. If that's the case, then you, know, you could see the defense get discouraged and things fall apart uh, and they struggle to get to a bowl game. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, Michigan State's one of those teams to watch, uh, keep an eye on. Usually when people count them out is when they're at their yeah. best. Let's move on to Penn State. <clears throat> I'll preface this by saying I think Penn State, if it was – I wish the, the, the big four, the home games and the road games were reversed. I think we have a better chance at Michigan State and Penn State this year. I think Penn State yep. is, the, is the team that IU, out of those four, has the best chance at. Uh, if this game was played at home, unfortunately, it's played at Beaver Stadium, where IU has has never won. Uh, but you're breaking in a new uh, quarterback, Sean Clifford, uh, who really hasn't played. Uh, Trace McSorley is gone. He was an absolute killer at quarterback. Uh, you lose Miles Sanders as well. He was very, very good. Uh, you know, people kind of forget how good Miles Sanders was uh, because yes. of what Saquon Barkley did ahead of him. Uh, so you have Ricky Slade uh, returning there. You have K.J. Hamler, who's kind of like Rondell Moore light. He's super fast. He's not as thick as Rondell Moore, uh, but he's a dangerous playmaker. And, uh, you know, you, you, Justin Shorter, you lose Jawan Johnson um, and DeAndre Tompkins. Those big receivers were always a problem. Uh, and, you know, this offense might not be what this offense was the last couple of years. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what Penn State looks like. This could be a year where Penn State takes a step back as they reload uh, coming off a 9-4 and four season. And uh, did they go fall back all the way back after back-to-back 11-win seasons uh, and a 9-win season back to those 7-6 teams? of 14 and 15, or, you know, do they just keep on keeping on? Um, I, I would say they regress a little bit more. Uh, we'll see what they do. Their defense, you know, you still got Yatur Gross Matos, uh, who's, I think he had like 20 tackles for losses, some outrageous number. And Shaka Tony and Robert Windsor, all those guys, and Micah Parsons, who is a super sophomore. He's another guy that, that people – have to keep an eye on. You got some young uh, youngsters in the secondary um, who who are coming into their own uh, to play. Uh, but Penn State, I think, is very very gettable. They do have to go to Ohio State. They do have to go to Michigan State. They have to go to Iowa. Uh, but other than that, you know, they get Idaho, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh before their open week. Play five more games have an open week and then in the season at Minnesota, IU at home, at Ohio State, Rutgers at home. So 
they can do some damage. I just think this is a year where they need to reload. They lost a ton of talent on offense from a year ago. And I just don't, you know, that offense had its questions anyway. Um, when, when Trace McSorley was out, uh, it, it's, it's going to be, you know, if there was any year that IU could beat this team on the road, this might be it. It's possible. I mean, it's definitely going to be hard to predict uh, an Indiana win at a place that when we say never, we we mean literally never won at uh, in Beaver Stadium. So it can be difficult to predict that. But, you know, you can see it. I mean, Sean Clifford, uh, I think that they feel like he has a very good arm in terms of stretching the field. Um, You're right about Miles Sanders, very underappreciated. They like Ricky Slade. They like Journey Brown. The coaches are kind of making a big deal about talking talking up the committee approach and how great that's going to be and how they're looking forward to being able to utilize multiple weapons. And I mean, that's all nice, but uh, being able to just turn around and get the guy uh, like a Saquon Barkley or a Miles Sanders, who, no, he was not Saquon Barkley, but he was really good. Uh, being able to give somebody like that the ball 25 times a game and feel really good about what's going to happen with it, you know, that that's very valuable. Um, they will miss that for sure. Their receivers, I'm not overly impressed with them. I know Justin Shorter is a five-star kid coming in that they like quite a bit. K.J. Hamler, um, I feel like underwhelmed a little bit as a freshman, but um, there were a lot of other weapons around him. So uh, Pat Fryer moves a very good tight end, one of the best in the Big Ten for sure. Uh, The offensive line, while it has improved, I still don't think it's a strength for them. Um, you mentioned Micah Parsons. I think he could be an All-American this year. His fellow linebackers, Cam Brown and uh, Jan Johnson, also very good. Uh, the linebacking core, I think, is, is a real strength for this club. Um, special teams for them are, is a, a pretty good position as well with Jake Penneker and uh, Blake Gillikin. Um I have Penn State going eight and four. I think they'll be a, a very good eight and four, but a team that ultimately does not challenge for the Big Ten East title. Yeah, eight and four is probably right around where they'll end up. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. This is a young young team. Let's talk about the Indiana Hoosiers um, quickly, TJ. It's a team that that we know very well. We've been previewing all summer long. Uh, it's a team that I think on paper uh, is probably the most talented Indiana team they've had in a while. Now, talented Indiana teams uh, have also gone five and seven uh, and not have made bowl games. You know, you, you look at 2013, uh, and you had one of the most, you had one of the best offenses in the history of Indiana, if not the best, uh, and he, and they couldn't make a bowl game. So. This year, I think for IU, you know, fans have to set realistic expectations. They might have to bite the bullet and realize that, uh, you know, five and seven. I said this on a podcast with the, with another crew uh, on Friday. You know, a step forward might not reflect in more wins. Um, even five. This is this is a year where there's a very high floor and a low ceiling for IU. 
It's kind of like Peyton Ramsey, a uh, high floor and a low ceiling. But, um, you know, you, you look at the schedule, you should go 3-0 and through the non-conference. You should beat Rutgers. Uh, the season is going to swing on that game on October 19th at Maryland. Uh, if we get that, you roll into you probably roll into the Northwestern game at five and three uh, before heading into an open week. If you get Northwestern, you're playing with house money the rest of the way. Uh, if not, then you have to beat you know either Penn State on the road, Penn State or Purdue on the road, or Michigan at home. Uh, and it's it could be the I think the fifth year in a row now that that the bucket game uh, is up for a bowl game for IU, and uh, you know I don't think it's Tom Allen's job if they go five and seven. Uh, I know some people might think that, but you know 2020 was the year that I circled as the big year for IU. So it's going to come down to you know to me I think I think they have to make the right decision at quarterback, and it, that might be rolling the dice on Michael Penix, uh, and especially early. He needs game experience. You, you start off with two softies in, in Ball State and Eastern Illinois. If if you can't beat Ball, uh, Ball State and Eastern Illinois with a struggling Michael Penix, then I don't know, you know, then you've got bigger problems than, than the quarterback. You know, the running back group is loaded. TJ, your preview's coming out tomorrow. Uh, I believe you got Stevie Scott back. He looks like a beast. you got Samson James, who's put on, I think, 20, 20 or so pounds. Uh, in the off season, Cole Guest, all all indications out of practice out of Bloomington are that Cole Guest looks really good uh, and explosive. You also have Ronnie Walker, and Ronnie Walker is a former four star recruit. And I'm mentioning him fourth, you know, in that list. Uh, you also have Ivory Winters as well uh, back there. The, the receiving core is really good. The skill positions, I think, are, are as good as anybody. Uh, you've got Donovan Hale, Nick Westbrook's back. Ty Freifogel looks really good. Um, you've got Miles Marshall. And a guy to keep uh, your eye on is, is a true freshman, Jordan Jakes. He's six four, a big guy who could go up and grab the ball. Um, and then the offensive line. Um, and, and don't forget Peyton Hendershot at, at, at tight end. Uh, but the offensive line, you, you think it, it's a very – there's a core group of seniors, and then you add in – uh, Harry Kreider, who's a junior, and you have a pretty veteran line outside of Caleb Jones at, at right tackle. But this this line came to life last year and, and kind of bullied people down uh, down the stretch. And, and you hope that they could take the next step in their development and become a really good um, offensive line in the Big Ten. And with these big backs like Stevie Scott and Samson James, uh, they can lean on that running game late in games. Uh, to, you know, in, in those big games where IU has the lead, you could just kind of like that mich- double overtime Michigan game uh, in 2015 where you could just lean on that running game uh, and and give that defense a chance. Now, the defense should be able to hopefully get a stop and not give up 50 points to, to Michigan. Uh, but – Outside of that, the Big Ten schedule is tough. You got you're on the road at Michigan State and at Penn State. You get Ohio State and Michigan at home. Crossovers are Northwestern at Nebraska and at Purdue. That's a tough crossover schedule. Uh, and then you look at our uh, at um, at Indiana's defense. The defensive line 
can work by committee, and all indications are that the defense line looks better than I expected, especially with Juan Harris in the middle. You should have a pretty formidable defense. They should be able to hit that top 25 goal that Tom Allen uh, has set. And I, I'm talking total defense, not just in one category. You know, in, in total defense and scoring defense to be a top 25 defense. And if, if all of that sets up and they find a return game, this could be a special year for IU. It could. I mean, the pieces are there. They've got to fall into place together. Um, really like the linebackers and the, the very deep secondary. Um, so many interchangeable pieces there. Uh, you mentioned the skill positions, which are tremendous. You did not even mention Wap Billier, which is, you know, somebody that uh, easy to forgive out because of his injury last season, but certainly a potential game changer for the Hoosiers. Uh, just a lot of weapons that IU has, but uh, the, the one question, two questions that I have would be, um, are you getting good play from the quarterback and then, you know, difference-making play from the quarterback and the number two, offensive line depth. Um, you know, if one of those starters goes down, are you able to plug in someone and not drop off? Um that's something that we hope we don't find out an answer to. Uh, hopefully the O-line stays healthy, but um, if not, you know, how far down can you go before you start to see that drop-off? Then a third question, just getting teams off the field on third down. Uh, IU's got to do a better job of converting those third and medium, third and longs into stops uh, and getting the opposition off the field, get your offense back out there. Uh, new offensive coordinator, Kalen DeBoer, certainly an exciting addition for the Hoosiers. I'm really pumped to see what he has in store for us um, and for the opponents. And I mean, I look, I, I'm always tending toward the optimistic side, but uh, it's a tough schedule. It's forced to predict a record. I'm going to go seven and six with a win in a bowl game. Um, but I, to be honest, uh, we don't know. We know the pieces are in place. I know that there's going to be close games and it's just a matter of whether or not, IU can make those 50-50 plays uh, that that mean the difference between a close win and a close loss. I think we're going to have three or four of those games that come down right to it. Um, and that's, that's why you work so hard in the offseason, to get yourself into position and be able to make those plays. Yeah, and you talked about the defensive keys. IU had 26 takeaways last year. A lot of that, is, there's a lot of walk or, you know, turnover luck, as they call it, that goes into that usually one year after a high year, you, you take a step back. Uh, but with more skill on the field, if they could keep it at that rate, they should have a very big year. And then, obviously, the third down conversions, that starts on first down. IU last year, every time you look yeah. up, I, you know, they were giving up five, six, seven yards on first down. And it's really hard to stop offenses when you have a second and three uh, or second and medium, uh, and they're ahead of schedule. So, uh, I don't, I don't know what to project as as a record. I'd like to say six and six, but it's going to come down to that. Um, it's going to come down to that game at Maryland. You know, I use at this point where yeah, a lot of IU fans are saying 
oh, we got to beat Ohio State, we got to beat Michigan, we got to beat Penn State, we got to beat Michigan State. It's eventually got to happen. And sure, yeah, law of averages says that eventually it's got to happen. Uh, but right now, I think where IU is at, they need to win the games that they're supposed to win. And if you look at S and P Plus, and you look at ESPN's FBI, and you look at even at the over under totals in Vegas. There are games in there that they're supposed to win, and Maryland and Northwestern, even though Northwestern won the West last year, those are games that IU are IU is supposed to win. You know, no longer can you have those those games where, you know, the 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 Maryland game two years ago, the Minnesota game last year, uh, Minnesota in 2013. You, you, the next step for this program is to win those games. Then you could worry about beating Ohio State and Michigan. If you win those games, be a perennial bowl team, and then take the next step. So, at least for IU and IU's wise, uh, IU wise, they need to take the steps in order. Uh, you can't skip steps, and I've said that over the last couple of years. They need to take those steps in order. The next step is beating, you know, teams like Maryland on the road and Northwestern at home. You take care of business there, and then you take your shot at, at, at a winning record up at Purdue uh, to end the season. So that's my take on IU. Uh, you know, some people uh, will say I'm a downer. Some people say I'm an optimist. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. It's going to come down to that Maryland game. If they win that Maryland game, I, I feel pretty good about the rest of the season. Speaking of Maryland, TJ, Let's travel out east um, to the Maryland Terrapins. It is an interesting team. They're going through a coaching change. In comes Mike Loxley with all the fanfare. You know, he's such a great recruiter in the DMV area. Uh, he's got, a, you know, he, he could talk an ear off and stuff like that. However, he has three career wins and 31 career losses. Uh, I'm not sold on the Mike Loxley turning around Maryland program just yet. They do bring in Joshua Jackson, the quarterback. He really hasn't stood out. They haven't named a starter. It's between him and Ty Pigrome, uh, who came in in relief of uh, Kasim Hill last year. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, you lose Ty Johnson um, at running back, but you bring back Anthony McFarland, who's one of the Big Ten's best as a sophomore. You've got Javon Leak. There's a lot of speed there. They they lost. I think they lost Jayshon Jones at wide receiver for the year, and he was a guy as a freshman who had a big year. Uh, Jones was their second leading receiver. Uh, he also was uh, had a, had two touchdowns rushing. Was big on kickoffs. Their offensive line had some holes, uh, but they could be good. They they're replacements are young. Uh, they do have a good kicking game. Their defense is where they're going to get held up. They have to hope that these grad transfers uh, come to play and, and come to play well. Other than that, if they can't get that defense going, it's it's going to be a, a uh, long road to hoe. Uh, they do get – their their non-conference schedule is, is really tough. They have to, uh, you know, they get Howard, which is a gimme. You play Syracuse at home. Syracuse is coming off a 10-win season. They have to play at Temple. Uh, Temple's coming off a bye. Temple also beat them last year. 
and then you you get your run of uh, seven straight Big Ten games, Penn State at Rutgers, at Purdue, Indiana at Minnesota, and then Michigan at Ohio State, Nebraska at Michigan State. I mean, that's a tough schedule to to to, um, to navigate, especially the back end of that schedule. So it's I it, he might get a couple wins, but I'm not as high on Maryland as everybody else. Uh, what's your take, TJ? Obviously, Anthony McFarland's a star, but beyond that, I, I see a lot of question marks. Uh, I don't think the offensive line's very good. The receivers losing Jay Sean Jones is a huge blow. Um, we have not seen their passing game be a real factor. Uh, Tyrell Pickram, I mean, he, I, I think he's a capable quarterback. I don't think he's a um, – uh, He's well, we know. We know he's not a terrific passer. Uh, a guy that's going to beat you more with his legs, which maybe that's what they should just lean into and try to be just an elite, elite running team. Um, you know, take time off the clock and keep that defense off the field because I think defense could be a major problem, as I mentioned. Uh, particularly for me, no pass rush, uh, no proven pass rushers at all. And then uh, I, I think they could be run over. Um, and I, I don't think the pass defense is outstanding either. So um, I think defense is going to be a real issue. I don't see Maryland going to a bowl game. Uh, but you you hit the nail on the head with that game that they host Indiana in October. That's a really big one for them. Um, I do think that they will they'll give a few teams a, a real scare because of the kind of the top end talent that they have, like Anthony McFarland. Um, you know, we've seen him run wild on really good teams before. So I think we'll see some of that this year. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see how Mike Loxley turns recruiting into program success. And once that initial uh, <coughs> bump from him being a new head coach there, once that initial bump wears off and you have to kind of prove it on the field, um, if Maryland gets off to a kind of a sluggish uh, season here, uh, will recruiting continue to go well for them, or will it, uh, you know, kind of stale off as they um, people kind of wait to see whether or not he can improve on his so far very lackluster career as a head coach? Yeah, and he had an incident where he was fighting with like an assistant on the sideline at at uh, yeah. at New Mexico. And things like that. Yep. Yeah, he's been at Alabama yeah. the last couple of years, and there's a lot of articles, at least out on the Athletic, about yeah. how he's learned so much at Alabama, and they're running practices like they ran at Alabama. Uh, they don't have the talent that they have at Alabama. They don't have the coaching staff they have at Alabama, and all of those things. Or, so or Maryland's another or, team. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll believe the hype when, when I see it. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, speaking of hype, let's move on to Rutgers and close out the Big Ten East. Um, that, of course, was sarcastic. Uh, for all of you uh, who don't know um, Rutgers football, I, I, they went. They took a major step back last year. Went one and eleven after Chris Ash, you know, kind of, you know, kind of avoided the the uh, executioner a little bit after after uh, doubling his win total in 17 to four wins, winning three big 10 games, 
Uh, last year was just awful. I I, I think Chris, I know Chris Ash is on the hot seat. I don't know what Rutgers had to do for him to survive the year. Uh, is it get to a bowl game? Is it you know see improvement? Uh, you know, one of those vague things where there's definitely improvement and all that stuff. Uh, they went one and eleven last year, so if they go two and ten, is that improvement enough? Uh, probably not. So uh, they begin the year against Massachusetts, then they go to Iowa, Boston College at home, at Michigan, Maryland, at Indiana, Minnesota, Liberty, which I think is going to be a tricky game for them in the middle of the year, at Illinois open week again, Ohio State, Michigan State, at Penn State. This could be an ugly end of the year for Rutgers. Uh, they bring back yeah. Art Sikowski, uh, who was god-awful last year. Uh, he threw 18 interceptions, four touchdowns, uh, completed, on, uh, you know, only threw for 1,100 yards. They do have two good running backs in um, Raheem Blackshear and Isaiah Pacheco. Bo Melton's a good playmaker as well. They have some guys around him, uh, but anytime your quarterback throws 18 interceptions and four, t- excuse me, uh, four touchdowns, it's going to be uh, for a long year. That defense loses a lot as well, uh, especially at the linebacker position where they had two very good linebackers last year. It's just I don't see, and especially if they get off to a slow start. Uh, and they could. They could theoretically start one and three. I don't think they lose to Massachusetts. One and three going into Maryland. Um, the way that finishes up, this team could just say we've had we've had it, and Chris Ash could be out by, you know, he could be out by the time they they uh, they roll into Bloomington hot and Columbus Day weekend. It's just. I don't know how to fix Rutgers. It shouldn't be this bad. Um, New Jersey is loaded. The move to the Big Ten should have paid off. Uh, they're building facilities uh, and things like that, and they made it work in the Big East. And maybe you just can't – that talent, it just doesn't transfer. And being in the Big Ten East is tough. We all know that. Uh, but you, it, it's – is it really worth it for Rutgers to, to get that paycheck? Maybe it is. Uh, but it, it's it's going to be a long year for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. What's your take, TJ? I think the offensive line is a huge problem. I, I don't think that they are any good up front. Um, I do like the running backs. The receivers uh, honestly lack, lack explosiveness, lack playmakers, we think, although it's kind of hard to tell because of the poor quarterback play. Uh, which you figure to be slightly improved, but, I mean, the bar is low there, so I wouldn't expect a whole lot better. I think the defense is fine, uh, but they're put in so many disadvantageous positions that it's hard uh, to be any even decent uh, defense because of uh, the lack of offense that they're dealing with. Um, I, I think that... Rutgers will be very fortunate to win four games. Um, I, I do think this is Chris Ash. I think they would be fortunate to win two. Yeah, that could be. I, I mean, I think it's Chris Ash's last year. I don't think there's enough they can do 
um, within the realm of possibility to uh, keep him there. Uh, now, the interesting thing will be who do they turn to after that? Uh, a couple of names that I, I think will be very interesting to, to monitor would be Jeff Munkin from Army, um, which I would personally be a bit nervous about if he went there. Um, as an IU fan, I, I think he could do a really good job. Uh, the second, well, anytime you bring the triple option in, anytime well, you bring the the triple option in, it, it's going to be tough because it's you, you have to focus on that, and then you're getting the athletes that Rutgers could get, and and a coach like Munkin, it, that might be Rutgers' best play. Yeah, and I think the second one that you'll hear pop up will be Greg Schiano. Uh, to make a return to, to Rutgers, but uh, we'll see. I mean, that, that's down the line. I, I do think it's a game that uh, Indiana obviously has to win. It's homecoming. It, uh, you, they have to win this game. I mean, this yeah. is a game that they – it's not even have to. It's They should win this one. Oh, it, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it, if, if you don't win this one, you know, you, all bets are off for the rest of the season. Um, but – yeah, four. I, I mean, I four games would be, I, I think, a miracle at Rutgers uh, this year. You might get three, uh, but two. Just looking on paper is two, and one of them is a Hugh Freeze coached Liberty team who has knocked off some people in the past. Um, but I don't know if Chris Ash is going to be the coach for the final three games of the season. And that's where Rutgers right. is at right now. That's um, these, and that's good for IU football. You know, you're you're you've got to stay above Rutgers, Maryland, Illinois, Purdue, Northwestern, uh, Minnesota uh, in recruiting, and and you know, any time that one of these other schools gets torpedoed like this. Um, you know, IU has a chance to move up and, and things like that. And all too often it has been that IU has been torpedoed and going through coaching changes and rebuild after rebuild after rebuild. Maybe finally IU can, can build on on beating up on, on Rutgers and, and some of these other teams that have made uh, coaching changes recently. Um, so, you know, I, everybody dogs on Rutgers, and I get it. Um, and maybe it's the East Coast in me. I do have I, – I feel bad for Chris Ash. Every time he's on TV uh, in one of these games, he looks like he's about to cry. Um, but, you know, it is it is what it is, and and we'll see. So closing, closing thoughts on the Big Ten East, TJ. Uh, it's a very good division. Um, I don't think there's any playoff teams outside of Ohio State. Uh, I think they're the only one that has the overall talent to get there. Um, I don't know if they will or not because it is a very competitive, balanced division. Uh, certainly better at the top than the West, but uh, the West is closing the gaps. That's that's for sure on the overall division. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, though. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I... I think um, you know if Michigan runs the table, they're definitely a playoff team. They, they you know that means you beat yeah. Ohio State, yeah. beat Notre Dame, uh, Michigan State, Penn State, you know Iowa, all those 
they've done enough. I I just I don't know if I trust Michigan. I'm taking Ohio State to win the conference. I don't know if they'll make it out unscathed. Uh, and I don't know if a one-loss Ohio State team makes the playoff. It's gonna have to. Right. It's gonna have to shake out. Um, you know, we'll have to see how the rest of the country shakes out uh, for them to make it. But I'm taking. I'm taking Ohio State, Michigan to come in second, uh, Michigan State third, Penn State fourth, IU fifth, Maryland sixth, and and, and Rutgers seventh. So uh, that's our yep, take. We are, Next week we is game agreement. preview. We're, we're finally there. Uh, so Hallelujah. thanks for joining us, TJ. And click back Absolutely. to com. We have all our previews coming up. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, and – We'll uh, we'll be with you throughout the 2019 season, win, lose, or draw. And that does it for our preseason our preseason previews. We thank you for listening. Uh, tune in weekly every Monday uh, to get a recap and a preview of that week's games. And the uh, season will get started here shortly. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 